Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at mysticalwares.com for a huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest Shungite collections available. Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Ani, Mad Shaman Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini. The show that tries to sort out what's true, don, da, don, don, what's woo, oh, oh, and what gets flushed down the loo. In today's, news anchors are fumbling as the narrative starts crumbling. Bill Gates gets crabby as Djokovic wins without getting the jib-jabby. Folks in the UK are tearing down the New World Order barriers of zoning. If the authorities don't want a stoning, they should take steps now to begin publicly atoning. If you're not suspicious by now, you're not a human, you're a cow. Strange, deranged, absurd, stinky like a turd, odd little world. As always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be mustered on any given day. We are not always successful, I will admit to that, but we are honor bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love the odd shot now and then, don't we? Yes, we do. (laughs) In fact, give me a moment. Let me just take a sip of today's experimental bevy. I'm going to sip the bevy now. Hold on. Mmm. Wow. Okay, so I don't usually drink anything this sweet because I don't have a sweet tooth. But once in a while, a girl, if she needs to combine her drinky poo with her dessert in one, I'm going to recommend this drink and more about that towards the end of the show. Where was I? Where am I? I don't know. But if you're joining us for the first time, a very warm welcome to you. Be advised, darlings, we are not politically correct, and we're not politically correct so as not to erode the intellect. If you have been conned by wokeism or critical race theory or it's okay to let your five-year-old choose its gender crowd, this show is probably not for you. I'll probably really trigger you and make you mad, and I wouldn't want that. So move along now. Nothing to see here. You see, on this show, we honor what I like to call spirit sense, sort of a common sense, really. Yes, folks, on this show, it's where the Holy Spirit meets top shelf distilled spirits. And we don't do canned cocktails here. 
No, we don't. We make our mixes from scratch to honor the fact that the divine spirit within us cannot be matched. Now, I have an important announcement to make before I go on and on and on for the next hour. Tomorrow is February the 2nd, 2023. And at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, yours truly will take the oath of allegiance and become officially an American citizen. So huzzah for me, I'm very excited. I'm quite emotional about it. Now, when the immigration officer asked me, you know, many questions, but one of the questions he asked was, you've lived here as a legal resident for 33 years. Miss Abadissian, why now? Why take citizenship now? And it was one of those moments where you either know you're going to make the best decision of your life or the very worst decision of your life. Um, but forces compelled me to tell him my entire theory of uh, my shaman background and how America has a sacred purpose and how I'm here to help restore sovereignty and stop new world order. Um, and I thought I was really rather eloquent. Um, uh, and he looked at me. And uh, I'm approved, by the way. <laughs> I'm a citizen. I will be a citizen tomorrow. I have been approved for citizenship. So I guess there are people in government departments that can see what's going on. And we need the new citizens to help restore the republic. So tomorrow, Thursday, 11.30 a.m. Pacific, take a moment and have a drink for me and celebrate uh, the joy that I will feel to be officially an American citizen. So moving on, on today's show, I think I'm going to pontificate, as I do like to do, on PSYOPs, psychological operations. And I will do so because it has come up in many conversations and debates, both social and at work. So we might as well discuss it because I think by now, all but the most disenfranchised are realizing that something has gone terribly wrong in the great nation of America, and not just America, of course, but the entire world. And if you are one of the recently awakened, welcome to the show and welcome, darlings, to your new reality. Gird your loins, count your coins, and get ready for one hell of a ride as we travel from calamity to insanity, through the valley of absurdity, along the narrow pathway to the city of common sense. Post-pontification, we shall move on to quack, questions, answers, and comments, and this is where you, the people, have the opportunity to share the nuggets of genius buried deep within your noggins with martini heads all around the globe. Unless, of course, you're a flat earther, and if that's the case, um, well, that's an awkward conversation we shall save for another day. Um, we will squeeze in some of my really bad but occasionally brilliant poetry, uh, perhaps, and we shall end, as we always do, with my favourite part of the show, the cocktail du jour, which I'm now going to sip one more time. And the first of many such sips, my darling. So let's start with PSYOPs. What are they? Everyone's talking about them now. And many people, for many people, it's the first time they've really heard it or wanted to understand what it means. Still, so many people don't believe that their own government would have a psychological 
operations department. Um, so many lovely, innocent, naive people out there, which unfortunately translates to being a useful idiot for the establishment. But here we go. PSYOPs, what is it? Mm. You know, as I mentioned, we do still have people in the USA who believe the governments, the governments of the world work in the best interests of the people. Um, and we still have people in the UK who love the royal family and feel they can do no wrong, even after Prince Andrew's Pizza Express expose. You know, people, if we really start to pay attention to how the government operates, we would be asking a great many more questions. A PSYOPs is a psychological operation. It is designed to influence emotions, motives, behavior of individuals and groups, friendly or hostile. Another way of explaining it is to say they are coordinated intelligence ops. They target people's vulnerabilities, the goal being to influence them into doing things they might not otherwise care to do or to stop them from doing something they don't want to stop doing. So PSYOPs, good or bad? Well, like many things, PSYOPs can be conducted for both malevolent and benevolent purposes. If used benevolently, by the good guys for the right reasons, a well-planned PSYOPs can save lives and prevent the destruction of, uh, of infrastructure. If used malevolently, as they generally always are, it can destroy whole civilizations by renaming tyranny as democracy and rebranding totalitarianism as tolerance. Sound familiar? I do hope so. We tend to associate the term PSYOPs with the military and the intelligence services, and, and we do so with good reason, but civilians are more than capable of conducting their own PSYOPs. I mean, an example would be to think about parents influencing their children's behavior. If you're trying to influence another, that is a psychological operation, isn't it? So PSYOPs are information operations. We're currently in the midst of a misinformation war. And there are more PSYOPs floating around right now than Fauci's repertoire of blatant lies. During the Vietnam War era, the Chinese military conducted a famous PSYOPs against the American military by targeting black American soldiers, asking black American GIs why they fought for a country that had no respect for black citizens. The goal clearly was to sow dissent amongst the ranks and get the targeted group, the black American GI, to lay down their arms. And there are many such cases during times of war. Leaflets are dropped. Radio frequencies are hacked. You know, targeting enemy information systems, it's part and parcel of war. And PSYOPs are used at all levels to shape behavior that fits the narrative of the group wishing to change the policy. And that policy could be very local or it could be national or it could be, as it is now, global. In the United States, we have a branch of the military. Um, it's called United States Special Operations Command. They are PSYOPs. 
Now, they're not your typical uniformed soldiers, obviously. They do have soldiers among them, but they are led by highly trained intelligence officers, trained analysts who are experts on foreign culture. And these days, they are way ahead with the advancement of their technology. They have all the skills <laughs> the hackers have and more. They know how to manipulate complex graphics and they work in media. They can make movies with these green screens. Heck, I can do those at home. Um, they can make animation seem real and they can dub voices almost flawlessly and they control on social media with the best of them. Social media, as we will see, one of the biggest arenas for psyops. Most of what we're shown on mainstream news today is created by these PSYOP teams. And they're not all American. You know, there are foreign teams as well. <clears throat> Think about this current New World Order takeover that we're in the middle of. We're going to win, by the way, but we are in the middle of it. It's one big PSYOPs, liberally, liberally sprinkled with multiple mini PSYOPs. It's classic, you know, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when we used to call this thing the Hegelian dialectic. The establishment created and unleashed a virus. It then told us that unless we complied 100% with all instructions, ridiculous instructions, humiliating, unnecessary instructions, we would all die. And if we did not die, we would live with the guilt of murdering those around us by refusing to inject a poisonous, potentially fatal bioweapon, which they call a vaccine, into our bloodstreams. And we all know how relentless that campaign was. That's a psyops. The campaign is still relentless. They're still pushing it today, even though the truth is finally coming to light, and they will keep pushing it no matter how many people awaken to the truth, because they know only greed, the lust for power. And if we have one thing in our favor that ensures their eventual destruction, that would be their arrogance. They actually, hand on their stone-cold hearts, believed they would pull this off 100%. And many of us thought they almost did. But where there's an active psyops, there's usually always counter-propaganda, isn't there? So what is that? And let's look into that. But perhaps first we should define disinformation. Because this is, you know, what propaganda is really, isn't it? Falsified information used to deceive the public. Disinformation. And what it means is this. You make up shit and you distribute it. And if your team are losing and you cannot find an honorable way to win, you get your spin doctors to make up stories that besmirch the character and motives of your enemy. If you think back not so long ago, of all the stuff they made up about Trump, and all because he was exposing the satanic cabal's agenda. And even though Trump is probably the most public figure in America, and if, and if any of those things they said about him were true, and they're not, because as the most public figure in America, if he was a monster, we would have known about it by now. And even though all the accusations came out of thin air and suddenly, people believed it. And they believed it because they had lost their ability to reason, to think rationally, because they fell for the multiple psyops.
perhaps the disinformation was believed. And I think I should get a prize for that last sentence, probably the longest sentence I have ever, ever constructed. So disinformation, misinformation, is it the same thing? Well, it depends on who you ask, really. Falsified information is all fake news. So whether it's misinformation or disinformation, it's all fake news, in my opinion, designed to churn out propaganda, to deceive, to disrupt, to influence behavior. Propaganda is intentionally incorrect and misleading information to push one agenda over another. And with the advanced graphic software available to just about anyone these days, it is easier than ever to mislead, to misinform. And the good guys also engage in mis- and disinformation. There's your counter-propaganda, I guess. With regard to the COVID hoax, did we see counter-propaganda? Well, we saw many opposing views all of which were subject to levels of censorship worthy of the Stalin era, not Capitol Hill. Any attempt to organize the truthsayers was trampled on. And the truthsayers, well, we just wanted to tell the truth about what we knew was happening. We had no intention of making stuff up to influence public opinion. We just wanted to tell the truth as we knew it and to warn the public of the greater, darker plan for depopulation and transhumanism and total totalitarian control by the cabal. We did not feel we needed a counter-propaganda as our opposing point of view was not a story we had created. It was the truth based on actual and verifiable information all of which was suppressed, which goes against the First Amendment of the Constitution, which is the highest law of the land. How are we putting up with this, I say to myself and to everyone else out there? The COVID hoax was an offensive operation. That's a military term. It didn't like it offended people. It's definitely offensive, but it was an offensive operation. It killed millions of people. It destroyed thousands of small businesses and it sorely challenged our relationships and put our very lives in danger in some cases, but it did not undermine our will to fight back. Quite the opposite. While I can only speak for myself, and I know I'm not alone when I say this, and this is the hill I and many others have planted our banners on. And if you want to remove us from it and take our banners, I hope you are as prepared to die for the cause as we are. PSYOPs. If you want to do this properly, PSYOPs have specific and measurable outcomes. You can't just go around, you know, flooding the arena with misinformation. What is the objective? How susceptible is the targeted group to influence? Has the vulnerability been identified? How will you access your target audience? What products will you use to carry out the PSYOPs? Have you fully considered the risks and constraints? Do you have your classic PSYOPs checklist with you? 
Because, you know, people, I guess, you know, we're going to have to fight back. This thing is going on a lot longer than I, we anticipated and hoped for. So, you know, back in school, we used to talk about things like this, what a psychological operation was, what mind control was. They put the kibosh on that shortly after when they decided that they didn't want an educated population knowing what the cabal wanted to do to us. So you're going to get yourself a little a checklist. Applicability, brevity, simplicity, repetition, authoritative tone and a call to action. And in essence, what we're talking about there is with any psyops, we want to use intense, emotionally appealing words associated with highly valued concepts and beliefs of the target, obviously. We want to appeal to emotions, strong emotions that people get carried away with, like love of country, um, you know, uh, vegetarianism, desire for peace, uh, the ever won't go away climate change thing, freedom, glory, honor, things that make people people's blood stir, regardless of whether they know what they're talking about or not. We also use transference to push positive or negative emotions onto a subject. Um, and, you know, in politics, we, tr you know, we transfer the blame. Transference is, I think it's a Freudian thing where you get your client to identify strong feelings about a person of importance in their life, a parent perhaps, or a guardian. Um, and then you get them to transfer those feelings to a different segment of society. This is very clever perceptual engineering, psychological operations. Um, you know, these intelligence officers, they have to, they have to know how to use culturally sensitive name calling to arouse prejudices, uh, which of course are all pre programmed. I really don't think we're born seeing the difference in colors and other other things. And of course, you have to be an expert in using language in terms that is uh, the subject, the target is familiar with. Um, and that's not just the language, of course, it's the symbols as well. We know that billions of dollars are poured into researching how to um, carry out these psychological ops. But Billions of dollars were spent before that in trying to understand how to manipulate the mind. The psyops just goes ahead and just does it. Once you understand the fundamentals of how easily a mind can be manipulated, I think you'll find you'll choose to guard your mind very carefully. Indeed. If you've ever witnessed people arguing on social media, and of course you have, if you're on any kind of social media, I think Facebook is probably one of the worst. Um, you know, I don't mean people having a discussion. I mean, arguing, insulting each other, and not knowing anything about the other person, and not knowing if it is an actual person or a paid troll or a bot. How easy is it these days to get people riled up and ready to fight for a cause they do not fully understand and in most cases are unable to define without prompts from mass media perceptual engineers. We are all engaged in some sort of psyops. The desire to manipulate others for our own gain um, starts at childbirth <laughs> much you know all through your parents guardianship of you of your various schools and colleges wherever you go everyone is trying to 
influence you and therefore influence the decisions you make, turn you into something perhaps they want, not what you want. If you really, 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 really think about it, you'll start to understand why it's so important to bring back critical thinking in schools and to teach classics, philosophy, chess, mathematics in ways that we have forgotten how to teach. If we look at some of the more notable military psyops, because these will be more familiar to people, um, and, you know, if all this is new to you, by the way, don't let your brain explode. Just, you know, do a bit of research. Let's take a look at some of the notable military ones. There are many. I mean, if we just start to even look at the things that the Soviet Union got up to, because um, they were way ahead of us in psyops, uh, you know, I would be here for days, but I don't think we can do that. Let's do some American ones. Okay. Operation Mockingbird. Has anyone heard of that? Well, if you look it up, you will see that beginning in the 1950s, it was a large-scale project undertaken by the CIA. And they recruited American journalists into some sort of propaganda network. And these recruited journalists were put on the payroll by the CIA. And they were given very clear, concise instructions to write fake stories that promoted the views of the intelligence agency. I'm sure you figured out by now that within the CIA, there is a dark cabal. And we know for a fact that student cultural organizations and magazines were funded as fronts for this operation. And much later than that, it was expanded to include foreign media. So this was all headed up by one Frank Wisner or Wisner, W-I-S-N-E-R. Um, he was the director of the Espionage and Counterintelligence Branch. Um, and he encouraged the organization. He put it together. Um, he was told by his higher ups to concentrate on, and I quote, propaganda, economic warfare, preventative direct action, including sabotage, anti-sabotage, demolition and evacuation measures, subversion against hostile states, including assistance to underground resistance groups, and support of indigenous anti-communist elements in threatened countries of the free world. And we do know for a fact that many of the journalists were blackmailed and threatened into the network. They didn't want any part of it because no self-respecting journalist wants to do this sort of shit, right? They're supposed to write on the truth and guide mankind a certain way just by putting the facts out there and letting mankind come to its own conclusions. So the CIA's financing of these private um, independent organizations, it wasn't just a, mean, um, a means to create favorable stories. It was a means to secretly collect information from other countries that the CIA deemed were relevant to America's national security. Now, this news got out. Um, Ramparts magazine, I believe, was the one in 1967 to expose uh, this type of covert operation. Um, because it reported that the National Student Association received funding from the CIA. 
And then about 10 years later in 1977, an article in Rolling Stone, written by Carl Bernstein, um, it was titled The CIA and the Media. Bernstein said in the article that the CIA has secretly backrolled numerous foreign press services, periodicals and newspapers, both English and foreign language, which provided excellent cover for CIA operatives. So this led to a series of congressional investigations, which was done in the 1970s on, under the, um, it was a committee that was set up by the US Senate. It was called the Church Committee, the Church Committee investigations. Uh, and they looked into government operations of potential abuses by the CIA, also the NSA, also the FBI, and also, oh, the IRS, which should be abolished like yesterday. So in 2007, around 700 pages of documents from the 1970s were declassified and released by the CIA in a collection called The Family Jewels. <laughs> Yeah, my British uh, uh, listeners are laughing at that one because the family jewels mean something else uh, in England. Um, so the files all surrounded the investigations and scandals pertaining to agency misconduct during the 1970s. This led uh, in no small part to official funding for Mockingbird to be cut off and the CIA had to find other ways to fund it. Uh, and you might want to look into drug cartels to get some sort of ideas about where the money for that would have come from. Officially, are we told that Mockingbird ended? Because it didn't. It just carried on nameless, as many government operations do. And it's being funded by drugs. I think we've all figured that one out. Um, definitely worth looking into, though. Because that is, I mean, just think about it. Your own government going in there, expanding their spy network, which you know, one expects organizations like the CIA to have spy networks and to expand them, et cetera. But they're going into the student bodies of their own country and they are putting their own propaganda in there, influencing the minds of the school kids and uh, the freshmen in college building a new generation according to the big architect of perceptual engineering the dark one you know it said this sounded all rubbish to you about a couple of years ago didn't it it doesn't so much now does it because we can look back now and go oh let's talk a little bit about um in the 50s and 60s the CIA wasn't just all about Mockingbird. Um, they used brainwashing techniques, hypnosis, torture on thousands of people. Um, they brutalized a great many people, thousands of them, under the guise of this project MK Ultra. And many people think it didn't exist and that it's some sort of science fiction. And the CIA tried ooh, for many a year to deny that MKUltra was a thing. Um, but unfortunately, these mind control experiments were all too real. For about a decade, at the height of the Cold War, CIA researchers abused, there is no other word for it, helpless subjects in some of the most disturbing experiments in history. 
Why do they do this? Well, I think in no small part, they were convinced that the Soviet Union had developed mind control capabilities, which I believe they had. Um, and the CIA wanted to at least match them, if not overtake them. So they started this expansive program across, I think, some 70 or 80 institutions, universities, hospitals. And in each one, they carried out abusive experiments, including um, electroshock, uh, abuse, verbal and sexual. And they dosed subjects with massive quantities of LSD. Now, you know, you want to do an LSD trip once in your life and try it? Go for it. But if you take a lot of LSD continually, um, it's very rare that it will go well for you because the time and space barriers of your mind will break down. And it will always be now, but it will also be everything else. And it's not good. There are very few people, and I, I can hear someone giggling in the background here, someone I know quite well. There are very few people who have taken a lot of LSD and came out of it better. It's probably like five in the whole world. Anyway, back to this. Um, as you can imagine, these poor subjects were left with permanent psychological damage. Now, of course, the CIA conducted this project with the utmost secrecy. It had multiple code names. It wasn't always called MKUltra. Apparently, it finally ended in the 70s. And, oh, most of the records were mysteriously destroyed on the orders of the director of the CIA himself, no doubt. But one small cache, which was misfiled, um, accidentally, one assumes, was left intact. And eventually... Those documents and several government investigations helped to bring the project to light. Today, we have 20,000 documents about MKUltra that the public has access to. And all because the US government feared that it was falling behind the Soviet Union um, with regard to interrogation techniques. Mm. Uh, just. It's terrible. Um, you, you may have heard of uh, the chemist Sidney Gottlieb. Um, he was known as the Black Sorcerer. One of his goals within this program and all of these programs was to create a truth serum that could be used against Soviet spies and prisoners of war to gain intelligence. Uh, well, it wasn't as easy as they thought generating a truth serum. Um, many experiments were held. I don't think anybody came out of it well. Um, Gottlieb's thing was that in order to control the mind, you have to wipe it clean first. And then you have to find a way to insert a new mind into that. Um, and, you know, he said we didn't get very far on number two. But we still had a lot of work to do on number one as well. So in his own words, the MKUltra's mind experiments extensively researched um, how drugs could enhance the ability of individuals to withstand um, being deprived, tortured and coerced. I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be an unwitting member of this. And don't think for one moment that they didn't take unsuspecting grunts in the military and subjected to this. It wasn't just drug addicts and prostitutes, etc., and anybody they could find. Um, they were also working uh, a declassified document from 1955, added that MKUltra sought to observe materials which will cause the victim to age faster. 
or slow down the aging process, and substances which will promote illogical thinking and impulsiveness to the point where the recipient would be discredited in public. So basically, they were devising mind-altering experiments with um, insidious goals, shall we say, and the results were disastrous. That's why they were all done in secret, because of the dubious ethics involved. Um, and for secrecy, that's why all of the experiments were spread out across multiple cities, multiple college campuses, prisons and hospitals. Uh, we believe that at the height, 185 researchers were involved, um, and many of them did not know that they were working for the CIA. So they dosed people up with LSD, with opioids, with uh, THC, and uh, some super hallucinogen that they, the government created called BZ. Um, and then they offered people alcohol just to watch them. It's, this is inhuman. And yet, these are the psyops that your own government has conducted on its own people. One of the interesting things for me, because unfortunately I've spent far too much time researching this sort of thing, um, they also used hypnosis in for the reason they wanted to create fear in subjects that could be exploited to gain information. So just complete takeover and manipulation of the mind and, and none of it for anything good. So poor people, volunteers, yes, witting or unwitting, they did pay students to, you know, hey, we'll give you lots of drugs. Uh, but you might die. And, and of course, many other addicts who were bribed with the promise of more drugs if they participated. Um, these were chilling abuses in the name of science, as it always is. And we do know that there was one mental patient in Kentucky who was given a dose of LSD every day for 174 consecutive days. And you might be surprised, I'm not going to mention any names um, on the radio, but it has been suggested, and there is some proof, that quite a few of the serial killers out there were people who had been experimented on through this MK Ultra psyops. Interesting stuff. You know, wouldn't, you wouldn't put it past your government if they're going to do all this to go and recruit people, uh, gang members, uh, high up uh, mafia leaders, whatever, um, and, and people of a certain psychological persuasion and eccentricity and have them do things in society to see how society would act where you're not all terrified by the Zodiac killer or, um, you know, these are not just all random acts. If you've watched the... Uh, the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats, and if you've seen uh, that uh, television program Stranger Things, these all allude to MK Ultra. Um, the government today does not deny that MK Ultra took place, um, or its offshoot, uh, Operation Bluebird. Um, something else you might want to research is Operation Bluebeam. And this is one that, you know, people laugh a lot. They go, oh, now you've taken it too far, Oni. Um, you with your new world order, one religion, one currency, one gender, one of everything, one giant cheesecake for all mankind. Um, but I would take a look at Operation Bluebeam if I were you. It does make for interesting reading. Uh, it starts off by wanting to create a new religion by discrediting the existing ones. 
So again, new world order plot of one controlling force dominating mankind's free will. So the first steps of Project Bluebeam would be um, the manufacture of artificially created earthquakes in strategic locations around the world. And apparently, then out of these uh, hoax earthquakes, um, we would find magically artifacts that would indicate that all the religious doctrines, all the religious doctrines of all the nations have been misunderstood for centuries. And thus, in one fell swoop, they would all be discredited. And the second step would be a giant holographic space projection where we would have aliens. Um, no, actually, um, they are going to do the aliens at some point. But for Bluebeam, they were going to have projections of Jesus and Muhammad and Buddha and Krishna and all of the other deities. Um, and then they would have all of these images merge into one because New World Order is all about one. And they would use their space-based laser generating satellites to project these Im images simultaneously to all four corners of the planet in every language, in every dialect, um, you know, according to region, blah, blah, blah. So the whole sky would be transformed into one massive movie screen. And the new god, the new New World Order god, Reptilius Maximus, um, would speak to everyone in their own language because we all know that lizards are polyglots. Uh, then we would get into the whole mind control thing where acting on all the data that had been gathered about people, uh, everybody would receive telepathic communication or uh, something altering their brainwaves so that you'd be able to reach people's inner minds. And then the f God knows what information they would project to you. And then the last step would be, um, I think it was probably either going to be the alien invasion <laughs> or the rapture or something that's going to terrify everyone. And everyone's running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Um, and then the reptilian overlords would come and go, panic not pathetic little people of Earth who keep falling for all this bullshit. We are going to save you. And, you know, da-da, and here we are. And we're going to save you by introducing our prime directive for the New World Order, absolute control of the populations of the entire Earth. Darlings, that is just a tiny... <laughs> Just a little tiny slice of the psyops. I could go on forever, but I think you figured out what a psyops is now. Once you start going down this rabbit hole, there is no going back. So do your own research, educate yourselves, and above all, realize the importance of cosmic uh, divine alignment. You should be the one running your mind, not the establishment. So I took a little look if we still have in the military, uh, you know, official PSYOPs forces uh, with their own websites and everything. And we do, of course, we do. Special Operations Command, Army 4th PSYOP Group, 8th PSYOP Group, Air Force has some. We've got some stuff in the Navy. Uh, and, and the motto for the Army is Persuade, Change, Influence for the Army PSYOPs Corps. And for the Air Force, it's never seen, always heard. And, you know, yes, OK, the military, lovely. We expect psyops, but the biggest psyops right now is being perpetrated by Big Pharma. It's this uh, demonic sham demic.
And look how close that came. All right, my darlings, that is my presentation, my pontification on PSYOPs. Uh, let's move on to Quack. Hang on, let's have a little kazoo. Yes, folks, Quack questions, answers, and comments. If you would like to share the contents of your magnificent brains with martini heads across the solar system, send your missives to me, Cosmicani, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, USA. And should your golden nugget be chosen for sharing, please let us know if and how you wish to be identified, or I will be forced, coerced, brutalized into referring to you as omit personal details. So let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity. Shakey, shakey. And let's see what pops out. All right. Come on, out you pop. There you are. All right. Our first email is from Louise in Newark, who asks, Ani, how do I find the stillness within? My friends are on a new spiritual path, ha-ha, yet again. They, <laughs> they talk about awareness being found in the still moments. How do I achieve that? My friends say you just sit there and you breathe and all shall be revealed. It can't be that simple, can it, Arnie? I would like to know my life's purpose. So I tried it a couple of times. I sat, I was still, but I gave up because I was hungry. Is it impossible to stop thoughts from entering your head during meditation? I think it's impossible. Thank you, Louise. All right, Louise, darling, well, lovely to hear from you. Um, it takes practice. <laughs> it takes practice, plus the understanding of what it is you are doing and why you are doing it. You know, otherwise it's not going to work for you. I would say don't, don't try to stop the thoughts from entering your head. That defeats the purpose and it creates resistance and that's the opposite of acceptance and acceptance, misunderstood though it is, is the good vibe to be in when we're meditating. I would say start by setting aside just five minutes each day for this deep breath meditation. Don't ask any questions during the exercise or expect the divine to reveal itself unto thee. Meditation is not the same as prayerful contemplation. There's slight difference. You know, it's not an ongoing dialogue with your God self. That's prayerful contemplation. I think of meditation as resetting and rebooting the system, which realigns it with all that is so that you're on the same frequency as all that is. So the action of deep breathing clears disruptions in your energy anatomy and it balances brain function, it balances all functions. And while you're focused on the mechanics of proper breathing, because that's all I want you to do with deep breath is I'm breathing in, I am breathing out as slowly, deeply and purposefully as is possible with the exhale always being longer than the inhale. You're doing this, you're focused on proper breathing technique. Meanwhile, God who is on Wi-Fi, the entire cosmos flows th through you, 
restoring your original default settings of divine perfection. And that's really all it is. But that alone is enough. Because with an aligned, clear, vital and stable energy anatomy, the voice of your higher self comes through loud and clear. And whatever you need to have revealed will reveal itself. And not necessarily in that moment, by the way. If you breathe every day, your aura will be cleared and reset every day. How wonderful is that not to carry all that baggage around? You will gain inspiration on every aspect of your life all throughout the day and not just, you know, the big stuff. So in life, we're trained to be goal driven and there is a place for that. But sometimes we need to spend time alone in this breath meditation, just coming to terms with our true nature and not thinking about anything. Just be there. Be the breath. And yes, it is challenging if you're a busy, busy, busy bee little human running to and fro all day long getting stuff done. But we turn off our computers every night and we reboot them and refresh them quite often. We need to do the same for us. And that's what meditation is. You need the practice of stillness. The practice of stillness quiets the mind and prioritizes the voices in our heads. Only in this way can we figure out the true from the poo. We stop listening to the poo and we focus only on what is true. Strange though this may sound, Louise, don't let your humanity distract you from achieving your full potential. Meditation encourages the spirit to inhabit the human, giving the human new and marvelous options, new outlooks on life, the universe, and everything. So don't be so hung up about being productive. And with regard to being hungry, I can certainly relate. I'm definitely a few pounds over optimum. Why don't you eat an hour before your meditation? That way you're not hungry, but you're not also full of food so that you can't use your diaphragm and breathe properly. So thank you very much, Louise, for that. Um, appreciate that question. Uh, try it out the way I suggested for a couple of weeks and drop me a line. Let me know how it's going. Meanwhile, I found this lovely short poem on awareness, which comes to you through the stillness, and it's by Angela Morgan, and I would like to read it to you, I, primarily for you, Louise, but uh, I think we'll all enjoy this. So here we go. I am aware by Angela Morgan. As I sit quietly here in my chair, sewing or reading or braiding my hair, Human and simple, my lot and my share. I am aware of the systems that swing through the aisles of creation on heavenly wing. I am aware of a marvelous thing. Trail of the comets in furious flight. Thunders of beauty that shatter the night. Terrible triumph of pageants that march to the trumpets of time through eternity's arch. I am aware of the splendor that ties all the things of the earth with the things of the skies. 
Here in my body, the heavenly heat. Here in my flesh, the melodious beat of the planets that circle divinity's feet. As I silently sit here in my chair, I am aware. That is beautiful. And Louise, in the stillness, your perceived smallness joins the allness, and I have no words to describe the joy and fulfillment that that will bring you. Well, folks, um, I think that's the only one for quack today. I want to move on before we run out of time to a new segment that I'm going to do in honor of my citizenship. And I'll probably do this uh, sort of every other podcast. And the new segment is called It Ain't Particle Physics, It's Civics. Folks, we need to insist that civics be taught in school. We forget that the Constitution of the United States of America was written in direct response to British colonial tyranny. Ask your children today if they can define the Constitution. Ask them if they know offhand how many amendments there are and what do we call the first 10 of those amendments. Remind them that American colonists ousted the mighty British Empire and its well-trained, well-equipped, heavily psyopsed, very arrogant armed forces. Now, I'll give you the cabal bankers wormed their way back in, declaring money as the new god. But I assure you that the only way to avoid a 1984 in 2024 is to allow 1776 to come back. So all of you out there whose kids are being indoctrinated in these schools with the stupid little things that they have in the schools now, please don't let your children say things like, oh, but we had slavery, so whatever else we came up with is null and void. Because that, my darlings, is schoolroom psyops in all its glory. Distraction, disorientation, and many other words beginning with D. Do we have slavery in America today? No, we don't. And we don't because we have evolved. And by the way, I mentioned this last time, who brought slavery to these fair shores? Well, not the Americans, darling, was it? No, it was the British. So shut up with all this pre-digested bullshit, which supports only the destruction of the sovereignty of this and all nations. Today's basic civics question is this. What is the right of due process in law? What is the right of due process in law? I'll tell you. The right to due process in law means you have the right to be treated fairly by your government, by all agencies of your government. The Bill of Rights protects you from unfair treatment from the federal government. The 14th Amendment protects you from unfair treatment from state and local government. Due process requires the people in the government to follow the law. Hello, people in the government. Due process requires you to follow the law. No one is above the law. And yet, the laws put in place by the founding fathers are ignored daily by prostitute politicians and their sycophant parasites. And once I'm a citizen, God help them. And that'll be tomorrow. So watch out. So without due process, the police or other authority with powers of arrest could take anyone off the streets and do whatever they want to them, force them into making false confessions, perhaps. Without due process, 
a court of law could deny you, the accused, the right to defend yourself. Without due process, government officials could make laws that affect the lives of citizens without consulting the citizen. And without due process, you might not have the right to a lawyer when accused. And your right to a lawyer is protected by the Constitution, the highest law of the land. So that's your civics exploration exercise for the week. If you have children in school, why not have them invite the local police, the local sheriff's department to go to the school and give them their version of due process? Let them take the kids through their interpretation of due process. We must impress upon the young people the importance of these rights, because once you give them away, it's hell trying to get them back. And in my opinion, the only opinion that matters, it is important to maintain good relations with the police because they are supposed to protect and serve the community, we the people, not become jack-booted, not-thinking thugs for the establishment. If your school doesn't have civics books, buy them, donate them, sit in on the classes. We're in this mess today because they skipped a generation of civics. So make it happen, people. My darlings, we're almost out of time, but not quite. I think that's it for today. I have finished my drink. Um, it was quite yummy, and that always means the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I enjoyed recording it because I had a blast. And today's real life cocktail was a surprise and it's called an apple jolly rancher. And here's how you make it. You take one part apple whiskey. Yes, they do have apple whiskey. One part sour apple pucker. Blah, it's good though. One part lemon lime soda. I'm using something called Jones, which is apparently pure cane sugar. It's very easy to prepare. You add ice to a serving glass, a long one, a big one, and you pour over the apple whiskey. You pour the apple whiskey over the ice, right? And then the apple pucker, and then you top it up with your lemon lime soda. And with a stirrer, you stir but lightly. And guess what? I don't have a sweet tooth, but this is lovely and refreshing. And I will drink it again. And again, and again, in the summer, um, when we actually have a summer here in Oregon, July and August. Now, darlings, folks, remember, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I'm Arnie, mad as the day is long, Avidician. This was a metaphysical martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. And many thanks to Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington, for making intergalactic distribution of this podcast possible. Mystical Wares, Mount Vernon, Washington. Online or on location, you'll be sure to give them a standing ovation. Until we meet again, call out injustice wherever you find it, Kick government corruption in the short and curlies. And above all, my darlings, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Ani Alphadisian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com.
Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at mysticalwares.com for our huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest Shungite collections available.